Good morning, God bless you. Uh, 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 uh. That's not going to work when I say good morning, God bless you. You say amen and then say God bless you too. Okay? It's not one way traffic. Uh, draw nigh unto me and I draw nigh unto you. So when I say good morning, God bless you, you say amen because I'm praying. And then you return it and say God bless you too. And I say amen. All right? Good morning, God bless you. Amen. You've seen the law of giving and receiving in action instantly. One man said, God bless you. Many people said, God bless him. It's a law of harvest. Can you imagine if you sincerely mean God bless you to me, how many blessings are mine already just for coming? Money can buy that. Hallelujah. Say to your neighbor, peace to you. I can't hear you walk fun. Peace to, you. peace to your house. And peace to all that you have. In the mighty name of Jesus. That's not a greeting for every Jack Rag and Tom Straw. That's a greeting for those who live in prosperity. David was the first to speak it. He sent to a man who was not worthy. He said, say to neighbor, peace to you, peace to your house, and peace to all that you have. And when he rejected it, his peace returned to him. His wealth was transferred because his wife became David's wife. <laughs> so peace to you, peace to your house, and peace to all that you have. In Jesus' mighty name. Overnight, I decided that this morning will be an intensive a time of intensive, interactive, and exciting Bible study. Because if you can locate it in the book and nobody's trying to manipulate you with the word, you can read within context and you see what is there, then you have only one choice. To either be a doer of the word or to let the word stand against you. So it's going to be a systematic delivery of apostolic doctrine in matters of no lack. My subtitle for this day, Hungry Lions and Their Cause of Lack. Hungry Lions and Their Cause of Lack were really responsible for their lack. Yesterday we saw that lion, young lions do lack. And we saw that old lions also do lack. And we saw that three generations of lions became impoverished. And it's a metaphor, a type and shadow for the rest of us who also belong to the family of the lion of the tribe of Judah. I'm going to start our journey today from Isaiah 29 and I will read from verse 9 to 24. Isaiah 29. Beginning from verse 9 to 24. I'm going to take my time. It's Bible study. I'm not going to take a text out of context. You know when you take a text out of context, what do you have left? Con. 
Mm-hmm. Isaiah 29, beginning from verse 9 to 24. A long greed, but it's worth it. Pause and wonder. Blind yourselves and be blind. They are drunk, but not with wine. They stagger, but not with intoxicating drink. For the Lord has poured out on you the spirit of deep sleep. And he has closed your eyes, namely the prophets, and he has covered your heads, namely the seers. Many times in the Bible, at least two instances, Pastor Bank, when a deep sleep came upon at least two people, it was for their own good. A deep sleep came upon Adam. Eve was brought out of him. A deep sleep came upon Abraham. It was still Abraham then. It wasn't Sarah that came out, but generation yet unborn, the families of the earth. God entered into covenant with them because he was trying to find the vultures by himself. And God said, you can't go to bed. Leave that for me. Even this covenant, you can't court with me. Just split the animals I'm going to walk in between because it's not dependent upon you. Somewhere along the line, you boggle it and mess it up. So let me do it by myself. And God entered into covenant with him because he had no strength to find the vultures. So deep sleep really has its place. When you have a misunderstanding with your wife, I suggest to you, do what I do, go to bed, just go and sleep. Because you are asleep when was, she was created. How are you supposed to understand her fully? <laughs> just go to bed. Many years ago, I was trying to impress my wife. I went to Dickinson Jones and House of Fraser and I bought expensive clothes for her. I'm telling you, very expensive. I took them home and she said, yeah. You only buy for me the things you like. I said, hmm? Okay, no problem. You know, I better be careful how I speak about Mrs. B here because there will be people who will lynch me. <laughs> I, told, I told her early this morning, as people were asking after you, they didn't even say, how are you, pastor? <laughs> I've been a lie. Oh, you say hello, sir. Did you ask after my health? How is Mrs. B doing? I hope she's okay. I said, okay now. So we went back to England another holiday, and I gave her money to go buy what she would like. And she went, she bought it, and she brought them in. And she would wear this and come, do you like this on me? I said, am I supposed to like it? <laughs> Who says you will understand your wife? Just deal with her according to Revelation. Go to bed, just sleep. You wake up with newness and brightness of ideas. Can I hear? Amen. The first time I ever heard Pastor Bank in my life, many years ago, I'd never seen him physically. Someone gave me a set of tapes. He was introducing his wife. He said, my wife, Sharon, 
she keeps me straight. Thank you for a good job. <laughs> uh, you know, many of you think Mrs. B is so easy. Butter cannot melt in her mouth. All right. I'm living with her. One of the reasons I'll make heaven is because I live with her. <laughs> but a deep sleep can also be a weapon of almighty to keep you away from being destroyed by the enemy. A deep sleep came upon Saul so that he could not hurt David. But in this scripture we have just read is when God wants to punish a people that a spirit of deep slumber will come upon the seers and the prophets. And when you no longer hear what God is saying, you don't see what God is doing, you are drunk but not with wine. You are preoccupied by so many other things. I will show you the exact opposite of those who really were drunk with another wine, but not normal wine. They were drunk with pride because of their achievements. But this is where I'm coming. Look at the next verse. The whole vision, I, I wish you would read that in King James Version. It said, the vision of all has become to you like the words of a book that is sealed, which men deliver to one who is literate, saying, read this, please. And he says, I cannot, for it is sealed. Then the book is delivered to one who is illiterate, saying, read this, please. And he says, I am not literate. Are you here? We're speaking about this subject, no more lack. Even the church is suffering from lack. So how are you going to deliver the world? How are we going to change the system of the world? When we look up to them, and the system of the world to meet our needs. We cry our Father who art in heaven on Sunday. But we live, like, we live like orphans from Monday to Saturday. The vision of all is become like a book that is sealed on both sides. And is given to a man who is literate and says, read this for us. So yes, I went to school. But this is coded. And then they took it and gave it to a man who didn't go to school at all. And he said, it appears I'm wiser than you people. Because if you gave it to a man who went to school and couldn't read it for you, something is wrong with you to bring it to me that did not go to school. What is he really talking about here? Those whose fear of God are taught by precepts of men and traditions of men. Because the fear of God is his treasure. Yep. I'm not talking of uh, morbid fear. Oh, God will throw me to hell if I do this. No. Honor, reverential fear that I know who my father is. How shall I do this and sin against God? There was no follow-up ministry for this 17-year-old when he left home. He lived in the midst of the world 
as a slave. But he knew what his father wants and what his father does not want. I want you to imagine, I, I, I said, Pastor Bank, openly, that I, I thank God for not uh, uh, putting me in Joseph's situation. Because I'm not sure I will pass. I don't deceive myself. Not because I'm careless, but I'm not sure I will pass. Because this is where I will think. I'm a slave here. Everything in this entire household is in my hand. It's been handed over to me, except this woman. And I didn't look for her. She came to offer herself. So why not take her and then be in control of everything? And I will not think that the whole planet is waiting for me. So I would die a local champion in a corner and sabotage my own destiny. I hope I'm not talking about you. Because that's the way we think. We don't see the long, uh, we don't have the long view in mind, in perspective. We don't see the big picture. Uh, we take little things and say, wow, see what the Lord has done. I just bought a Mercedes Benz. Somebody owns a company. Therefore, the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. Therefore, behold, I will again do a marvelous work among these people, a marvelous work and a wonder. What is a marvelous work? The wisdom of their wise men shall perish and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hidden. You know one thing I've seen in church, Pastor, forgive me if it's my personal observation, is that if any of us has a little breakthrough, we begin to look down on others as they don't know how to do it. And we become specialists in biblical economics. Rather than giving glory and grace to God. I was in the palace of Onyo Fife last Tuesday. I went for an illegal lecture there at the University of Ife. And I thought he has been reaching out to me. It's time to say hello. I was just going. I called him the day before that I'll be paying you a courtesy visit. Before I got to the palace, he had commandeered all the obas in the neighborhood and all the chiefs to be there waiting for me. As I entered the place, I said, well, God, this is set up. What's going to happen here? My friend who followed me to the palace, Dr. Nifade, said, how do I greet the oba? I said, you greet like others greet him. He said, how will you greet him? I said, you watch me. So he walked in and all the subjects went down their flat and my friend went, I stood straight there and he came towards me and said, God bless you, sir. He hugged me and sat on his throne. He was covered by subjects because you must not see him while he's sitting and he asked me to sit next to him. And I sat there and he began to speak. He said, you may not know this is about Baoba. Do you understand this? This is the father of the king. And began to say how our paths cross, the things I've done, how speaking the truth and standing there risking all. And I'm listening to him and I say, is that about me? 
And then he said that you pray for him. I sang a simple song. Mo yolo baba. Mo yolo go. Ibite semide. Me mo pe mo le debe o. Mo yolo go. I'll let you know what it means. I give you glory, God, because where you have brought me, I never imagined I could get there. Something hits our mind. We think we have achieved this in our own strength. We suffer financial amnesia. We forgot where it took us from. And we become experts in what we don't understand fully. Who has monopoly of wisdom on this matter? Nobody. I'm telling you up front, I'm not an expert. I came just as a servant to serve you, to wash your feet, to show you what I've read, what I've understood and what my eyes have seen, my ears have heard, and my hands have handled. That's all. And I'm not going to compare you to take it. But if it's working for others and it's worked for me, it's likely going to work for you too because God is no respecter of persons. Do you understand this? Okay. The wisdom of their wise men shall perish and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hidden. Woe to those who seek deep to hide their counsel far from the Lord. And their works are in the dark. They say, who sees us and who knows us? That is within the church also is another type of people. Not the arrogant, the proud, who thinks he has achieved a lot, but those who mix divination with revelation. Just to get results. I can say you mantu. And say you oil. And I become rich at the expense of your vulnerability. This is what has weakened the church. The church of the living God. That should be on the cutting edge of what God is doing. Are you still here? One mighty man of God in Nigeria threw a new one upon the nation. He has all the people, multitudes of them, to bring a comb to the convention. And he said, all of you who want, to, who want to see the end of poverty in your life, comb your hair backwards. <laughs> I can tell you the name and you Google it, you see it live there. Millions of them, they were doing that. <laughs> Guess what? The vice president of Nigeria was there. He took his own comb too. He was doing like this. On television. Well, I called him later. I don't want to do beyond that. Because I had to go on national television on this issue. And he said, now if you really want to make progress, comb your hair forward. The same hair that you comb backwards. <laughs> and they began to comb it forward. Now, can God say that to a prophet to ask? Yes, he can. But when I knew this was error was when he said, now when you are going for your visa interview, don't lose this comb. If you are going for a job interview, I said, this is Nehushtan. But the church is gullible because we are looking for quick fixes. 
We have forgotten that long short short cuts are not short in the long run. Do you understand me? So I went on national television and I said, I don't care who sucks God, this is divination. It's not revelation. And at the end of the day, he said, if you really want these things to work, write a fact check. It's all there on the internet. Write a check. This is what the church has become. And that's why people have closed up their hearts. Because everyone that holds microphones, they have come again. The church is getting leaner. The preachers are getting fatter. But when you close your eyes because a bad person is passing, it will remain short while a good one is also passing. The question to ask is, what air is this man going to come? (laughs) (laughs) Sir, believe me, I want you to go watch the video because he said, whether you have hair or not, just comb it. (laughs) It's there. Verse number 16. Surely you have things turned around. Shall the potter be esteemed at his clay? For shall the thing made, thing made say to him who made it, it did not make me. Or shall the thing form say of him who formed it, he has no understanding. Is it not yet a very little while? Till Lebanon shall be turned into a fruitful field. And the fruitful field be esteemed as a forest. In that day, the deaf shall hear the words of the book. Remember, the books are not being opened at all. But in that day, because of what sovereign almighty God was going to do, even the deaf will hear the words of the book. The eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. The humble also shall increase their joy in the Lord. The poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. For the terrible one is brought to nothing Discomfort one is consumed, and all who watch for iniquity are cut off, who make a man an offender by a word, and lay snare for him who reproves in the gate, and turn aside the just by empty words. Therefore, thus says the Lord, who did what? Just in case you do not think Abraham had redemption, it's written here in black and white for you. Thus said the Lord who redeemed Abraham concerning the house of Jacob. Jacob shall not now be ashamed. Nor shall his face now grow pale. But when he sees his children, the work of my hands in his midst, they will hallow my name and hallow the Holy One of Jacob and do what? And fear the God of Israel. These also who heard in spirit will come to understanding and those who complain will learn doctrine. This is where I'm coming. I'm going to go to the book that is sealed very shortly. And begin to remove the seal and open them before you. But there's a problem that we need to fix. Because Pastor says, those who err in the spirit, what will happen to them? They will come to understanding. And who will learn doctrine? Including you. 
including me. Because when things are not going our way, we don't praise God all the time. We complain. We murmur. We grumble. I don't know whether I was here or somewhere else. I asked the church to say, I asked them, how many of you are... Wait a minute. Is that your daughter? She's that grown now? Lord, have mercy upon me. <laughs> Somebody needs to give me extra food. <laughs> Praise God. Good to see you, darling. She was little like this, troubling me. Come on now. It's part of the service. After all, bring little children to me. It's written in red. Uh-huh. It's part of the service. We are relation, relationship uh, uh, conscious people. Because we love God and we love his people. Okay. What was I saying? I asked a question. How many of you in the church are mammon worshippers? And everybody said, no way. And I said, let's open the book. No one, no servant can serve two masters. You either hate the one and love the other, or you will despise the one. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, take no thought. Of what you will eat, what you wear. The moment you take thought, how will this need be met? How will this be paid? You are worshiping mammon. So those who err in spirit must come to understanding and those who complain must learn doctrine. Now here's a red alert in the spirit. Are you ready? The moment you err in spirit, you stumble in judgment. Let me explain that to you. If the spirit of error latches onto you, your decision-making process from that moment is effective. Whether it's financial investment, uh, investment decision, whatever it is. Because you err in spirit, you stumble in judgment. And if that continues unabated until that spirit is evicted, you go from evil to evil. It's very simple. It's like the law of electricity. It can electrify, it can electrocute. It depends on handling. What is meant for your good can now serve a deadly purpose. Because you err in spirit. The redemption of Abraham was that it would stop herring in the spirit. You know, he got to Egypt. He got some good out of Egypt. Fantastic things. He was rich in gold. He was rich in silver. But the enemy also packaged Agar. He left Egypt like a conqueror. But a time bomb was waiting in their home. When you err in the spirit, you stumble in judgment. If almighty God will not step in, you go from evil to evil. Let me give you another explanation. I want you to understand it. Then I open the scripture for you to see it. What I'm beginning here before we open the seal. These things are not difficult. And I'm not talking, talking on that one. You know, it's not difficult. But we have our blind spots of how it must be done. And we have become unteachable 
because we have been abused in our former life. You say, which former life? In the past churches you have been. <laughs> and so you are suspicious of everyone. Man, these smooth talkers have come again. God is going to give you treasure with pleasure, without measure. Hallelujah. <laughs> I don't belong to that school of thought. As you know, I'm going to be as practical as I can be. Who first met Abram? No, sir. He was the king of Sodom first. Thank you. The king of Sodom came. As soon as the king of Sodom showed up, God sent Melchizedek to intercept him. And Melchizedek raised the standard. Blessed be Abram of God. Abram, you don't belong to yourself anymore. You are redeemed. You are bought with a great price. You are no longer your own. Blessed be Abram of God, possessor of heaven and earth, not the goods of Egypt. And blessed be God who has given your enemies to your hands. And he gave him communion to seal the covenant. And he gave him tithes of all. And after he left, the king of Sodom now came. If he had struck the deal with Abram before Melchizedek showed up, he would go from, he would compound what was in him because Melchizedek came not as a point of contact, he came as a point of ethical adjustment and ethical correction. Because it was fear that made him say, my wife is not my wife. Sisters, can I give you a simple one here? Hmm? If you're married, let me see your hand. This is for you, free of charge. <laughs> Obey your husbands at all costs. Trust God. You didn't hear what I just said. I said, obey your husbands, but trust God. Sarah, he could not trust Abraham. The Bible says, Sarah trusted God and obeyed Abraham. It was not convenient. It was not easy for her to say she's my sister and they would take her to the king's bedroom. What some of our wives endure with us men. That we still have marriages going on is the mercy of God. Because we are quick from the days of Adam to accuse our wives. Pastor, did I tell you this story? It was one of my pastors. He's now in uh, British Virgin Island somewhere. I'd gone there. You know him. He came to me and said, Pastor, it's now proven to me beyond any, any reasonable doubt. My wife is mommy water. <laughs> and you know, he expected me to show some concern and some mercy. I said, wow. <laughs> How many children do you have? He said, seven. By the same woman, he said, yes. One of them is a set of twins, yes. I came to name the baby, yes. I need to visit your house again. I want to check their tails. Because if your, mom, your, if your wife is mommy water and you produce children, they must be fish and you are puppy water. <laughs> Every time something is wrong, our wives become witches. It takes a wizard to know a witch. Are you getting me? 
The king of Sodom now brought the deal. Take the goods and give me the men. What did Abraham say? I've lifted my hand to God, possessor of heaven and earth. I will not touch what belongs to you, not even your shoe latchet, lest I give you opportunity to say, I made Abraham rich. You can give to those who are in alliance with me and distribute, have everything. I don't need it. I am beyond this world. I belong to the possessor of heaven and earth. That's the covenant I'm bringing before you this morning. That you know who you are and you don't pander to the kings of this world because he has made you his king and priest. And you shall reign on the earth. Let's look at those who are in spirit. Isaiah. Chapter 28. Verse number 7. This is the other one I was talking about. This is pride. In Isaiah 28. 1. It's a word to the crown of pride. To the drunkards of Ephraim. Verse 7. But they also have heard through wine. And through intoxicating drink, they are out of the way. The priest and the prophet of earth, through intoxicating drink, they are swallowed up by wine. They are out of the way through intoxicating drink. Read the next line. The air in vision, the stumble in judgment. The moment the spirit of error latches onto you and you believe a lie, you stumble in judgment. It's there in verse 7. Can you see it? Read it again. The Err in vision, the stumble in judgment. The moment you err in vision, the moment you err in your spirit, you begin to make wrong decisions. Not only that, if that spirit is not evicted, especially when it's, it's commingled with greed and covetousness, you will go from evil to evil. Jeremiah chapter 9 verse 1 to 9. Remember we are doing Bible study. Are you enjoying this? Good. Jeremiah chapter 9 verse 1 to 9. Oh that my head were waters and my eyes fountain of tears that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. Oh that I had in the wilderness a lodging place for travelers that I might leave my people and go from them, for they are adulterers, an assembly of treacherous men. And like their bow, they have bent their tongues for lies. They are not valiant for the truth on the earth. For they proceed, how? From evil to evil, and they do not know me, says the Lord. Everyone take heed to his neighbor, and do not trust any brother. For every brother was utterly supplant. And every neighbor will walk with slanderers. Everyone will deceive his neighbor and will not speak the truth. They have taught their tongue to speak lies. They have wearied themselves to commit iniquity. Your dwelling place is in the midst of deceit. Through deceit, they refuse to know me, says the Lord. Must we be writing contracts between ourselves, Pastor Bank? My word should be my bond to you because your word has been your bond to me. Now, when it gets to the place, I say, write it down. Let us sign. We are no longer one. 
It's because I don't trust you anymore. And that's what the church has become. We cheat ourselves. We deceive ourselves. One brother can propose to three sisters, knock their heads together, and say, I'm still waiting for what the Lord will say. I'm not sure where this is going. And he has spoken to Jane. He has spoken to Mary. He has spoken to Martha. We do businesses together and we have to dot our eyes and cross our T's amongst ourselves. Those who God will entrust the judgment of angels to. These are issues uh, regarding the fear of God. Because if I fear God, I'm not going to cheat my neighbor. If I love my neighbor, I'm not going to take advantage of him or her. And by mouth and word of reference, from mouth to mouth, you get more done. Oh, that guy is great in this field. You can do anything with him and go and sleep. But when you earn in spirit, you stumble in judgment, and you go from evil to evil. But thank God who redeemed Abraham. His blood is still speaking mercy to us. And we can come to him and clean up and say, Lord, you know what? I'm tired of manipulation. I'm tired of lying. I'm tired of deceit. I'm tired of cheating. I want to be like that Israeli in whom there is no guile. Well, remember... The whole vision had become like a book that is, I thought you were here, a book that is sealed on both sides. Say sealed. The whole vision, your vision, my vision, our collective vision, our corporate vision, our corporate destiny is like a book that is sealed on both sides and given to one who is literate. Pastor Bank is a master strategist. He's been trained and tutored and he knows these things. When it comes to tabernacle, you will think he was on the mountaintop with Moses. What do you call it? The ground? No, don't tell them to come there. <laughs> is, it, is, is it the grandfather clause of all biblical revelation? Aha. Uh-huh. When Pastor Bank in those days would teach tabernacle, I would open my mouth like this. I say, Oh God, when will I ever understand this? So I kept on bringing him to teach. And I still don't bother myself to understand because I have him. And you understand me? As long as I'm walking straight, let him be building it, I'll be following him. <laughs> and when it comes to my own talk, also he respects it. He said, My friend, this is your area, you have to come. See, that's, there's no competition. I don't want to be the T.D. Jakes. God raised one. If I need him, I'll release him. I don't want to be Benny Hinn. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art. It won't work. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, be yourself. The book is given to a man who is literate and he said, I can't read it because it is sealed. 
It is not given to a man who is not literate. Say, I didn't go to school at all. Why couldn't anybody read it? Because there's only one person who can open the seal. Revelation chapter 5. I'm going somewhere now. Revelation chapter number 5. Are you following me? Let's go together on this journey. Revelation chapter number 5. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a book written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to lose its seals? And no one in heaven, somebody answer me. I can hear you. Who did they find in heaven? No one. Which means, Pastor Bank, your destiny is not in any man's hand. My destiny is not in any man's hand. Even predestination occurred before we got here. God understands our destiny. Uh, okay. No one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the book or to look at it. So I, that is John, the beloved, I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the book or to look at it. No one. The vision of all has become like a book that is sealed on both sides. It's given to the one who is literate. Why are many professors broke? Because the race is not to the sweep. The bread is not to... Uh, if the race is to the swift, the swiftest should win the race. But in Zion, it is the lamb that takes the prey. No one in heaven was found. No one on earth. No one under the earth was found. And John said, I wept so much. And one of the elders, thank God for elders. One of the elders came to him and said, stop crying. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, had prevailed to open the book and to lose his seven seals. And I look and behold in the midst of the throne and on the four living creatures. And in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. As though he had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. That itself will preach another day. Then he came and took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the book and to open its seals. For you were slain and you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign where? Is this a lie? And we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, what is the lamb who was slain to receive what? And 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 what? 
He didn't have those seven things. He was slain to receive them. You see, when an armed robber goes to shoot and kill and take money, you call it blood money. This is the real blood money. Covered by the blood. Brought forth by the blood. He was slain to receive riches. And where was he taking the riches to? Back to heaven? No. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ in that he was rich yet for your sakes. He became poor so that you through his poverty might exchange position with him and become rich. Open his hands and bless them. Release everything here. Those seven spirits are sent to the earth. They are now operating in heaven. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them are heard saying, Blessing and honor, glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said what? Amen. And the twenty-four elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. Now let's stop here. These elders, 24 elders who are they, not difficult to prove, that the 12 patriarchs of Israel and the 12 apostles of the Lamb, they constitute the 24 elders in heaven. Do you understand me? And because they have prevailed and they have overcome, they were given what? A crown of life. So if they had labored here to obtain the crown of life, who owned the crown of life? They knew it was a gift that they did not deserve. So what did they do? Every time they worship him, that which is the, the, the crown of their accomplishments, everything they have accomplished, they throw at his feet. Because they are not owners, they are stewards. You don't believe they throw the crowns down? Chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. Verse number 9, whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and they were created. In the King James Version, it says, you created them for your pleasure. Are you with me? So how did you become the owner of a home? And you join Home Owners Association. <laughs> if there's any root of, or cause of luck, is your clinging to what is not yours in the first place. Operating as if it's your own. Whereas no one can receive anything Except it's given him from heaven. And when you cling to that one, you stop the others. It's as simple as ABC. May your eyes be open. May your eyes of understanding be enlightened today so that you stop shooting yourself in the foot and shortchanging yourself. Can I hear? Amen. Here's a summary of all that I've said as opening speech, <laughs> opening comment. Nothing takes you away from the height of God's abundance and brings you into the valley of luck and exigency faster than a sense of ownership. Clinging to what you consider your own 
as against a sense of stewardship. If I got that from a book, I would tell you which book. I wrote it at 4 a.m. this morning. God is my witness. Nothing takes you down faster than a sense of ownership clinging to what is not yours. Have you forgotten you brought nothing into this world? My house, my car, my business. Very wealthy man, a chairman of a bank, came into my home, was having misunderstanding with his wife. And he said, I'm going to drive you from my house. I said, shut up! How much were you worth when she married you? I'll repeat, nothing takes you away from the height of God's abundance and brings you into the valley of luck and exigency faster than a sense of ownership and clinging to what you consider your own as against having a sense of stewardship towards everything God puts in your hand. My son, are you kidding me? Is your son? No. To all your children, your means of transportation to planet Earth. Children are the heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. A man and his wife came to me in the office and said, Pastor, we did not want to bother you for almost 10 years now. We have been trusting God, but we have no child. We want you to join your faith with us so that we also can have a child. And I said, okay, what do you need a child for? <laughs> he said, nobody has such a question. I said, I'm asking you. What exactly do you need a child for? He said, to roll away the reproach of barrenness. I said, that's not the reason God gives children. Children are the heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. Are you ready for your womb to reward the Lord? Or you just want to have a child so you can say, Who cares? Uh, help me interpret that to Pastor Sharon. <laughs> to ex- establish this present truth, remember, I've established those who err in spirit. We do what? They will stumble in judgment. And they will go from evil to evil. So God wants those who err in spirit to come to understanding and those who complain to learn doctrine, the principle of how God does it. Now we are coming to the second one now. The tug of war between ownership and stewardship. It's important. Look. Can I be nice? Nice is not a fruit of the spirit. Goodness is. Can I, can I be plain? 
What do you think you have that has not been given you? Do you ever ask why it's given to you in the first place? Let's look at at least two lives here to see the tug of war between ownership and stewardship. And what posture you should maintain as a child of God. Let's consider David and the rich fool. One in the Old Testament, one in the New. David was a man after God's heart. God has been looking everywhere until he found one. He said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart who will do all my will. He was not perfect. Where is Revelation? It was was perfect imperfection. What did you put on your... What was it yesterday? Perfectly imperfect. David was perfectly imperfect. Today is a saint, tomorrow is a devil. Like Jacob, who became Israel. I mean, give me a break. David already had six wives at the age of 30. So by the time he was 70, his loins are broken. And it is true. When they th- Do you know how the people found out that the king is finished? They had to go and bring a virgin. And when they found out the battery has knocked, they said, get ready for funeral. The man is finished. The man is finished. It's called the law of diminishing returns. Compared to Abraham, who at Honda began to now fire on all cylinders. Because of the time. I'm not kidding. I'm making these things practical. I'm not trying to excite you. But David had one thing going for him. And you are going to find out this morning. He had one thing going for him. As a heart pants after the brook waters. So my soul pants after you. Ah, in the wilderness, he had nothing to give. You see, because pastor says, if you don't give a seed, you die in poverty. The birds of the air, they don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather into ban. Your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valued than birds? David had nothing to give. He lifted up his hands. He said, let the lifting up of my hands be to you as an evening sacrifice. I don't have anything to give, but I have my hands. You think it's all about money? Money, come it to me. Perish the thought. If it's all about money, that woman with two pence did not give anything. And Jesus said, she gave more than all the money bags. Because you give her all. You're going to learn some things. You're going to learn doctrine. Are you open? Yes. If I go beyond two hours, will you be mad at me? No. I'll try to cut it short within two hours. Because psychology says after that, your, <laughs> your tank is full. <laughs> 
And I know when I begin to speak to people who are no longer receiving, their eyes will just be staring at me like this. <laughs> Let's compare David with a rich fool. First Chronicles 29, from verse 10 to 20. Man, Kai, you know, when Pastor Banks, something catches him, he says, Kai, 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 Kai. He has just gotten a revelation then. Are you aware? Or does he say kai 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 here? I thought it's lettering thing. He says it here also. Somebody say kai 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 kai. <laughs> I need to say kai 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 here. Because David was about to raise ferns for the temple. That will not be built by him. And that will not be named after him. Forever it will be called the temple of Solomon. And he's going to make all the provision for it. Can you make it happen for others when it will not be named after you? Or your whole life is I, me, my, and myself. The four cardinal principles of the devil. Listen to him. First Chronicles 29, let me begin from verse 1. Furthermore, King David said, oh no, I love this pastor. In, in chapter 28, he, he called his son. He said, you God has chosen to build. But the blueprint by the finger of God was printed upon the canvas of my heart. I didn't need to go to the mountaintop like Moses. God has improved on the technology. He wrote it on the inside of my heart. The vision is here. And I'm going to give you the blueprint because you are going to build it. Be strong! And now time came to raise money for the temple. Look at chapter 29. Furthermore, King David said to all the assembly, My son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced, and the work is great because the temple, some interpretations said the palace is not for men, but for the Lord God. Now for the house of my God, I prepare with all what? I can't hear you. I prepare with all my mind, gold for things of gold, to be made of gold, silver for things of silver, bronze for things of bronze, iron for things of iron, wood for things of wood, onyx stones, stones to be set, glistening stones of various colors, all kinds of precious stones and marble slabs in abundance. Moreover, because I have set my affection, I hope you are following me. I have set my affection on the house of my God. I've given to the house of my God over and above all that I've prepared for the holy house. Which holy house? The tabernacle he once built. He was given much more to what Solomon will build than what he had done. <laughs> My own special treasure. Things that are special to me. My own special treasure of gold and silver. 3,000 talents of gold, of the gold of offer, 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the houses, the gold for things of gold, the silver for things of silver, and for all kinds of work to be done by the hands of craftsmen. Who then is willing to consecrate his gift? No. 
who is willing to come to the same posture with me? I set my affection first before I started giving. Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? When he had enumerated what he gave, somebody will stand that day from charismatic circle. Uh, Jesus said, what your left no, right hand is doing, your left hand should not know because your brain has suffered paralysis. He's <laughs> talking about charitable deeds. Yes. When you're helping others, don't blow trumpet about it. Don't let them know. Even do it with, send it through someone and make it anonymous. Your father who sees in secret will reward you in the open. But now when you're having a project like this, it, it must lead by example. Exactly. And he listed the things that he had given. Exactly. And he said, then who is willing to consecrate himself to the Lord is God? What does that mean? Who is willing to maintain the posture of a steward and not an owner? Who knows that all these things were given to you by him for a purpose? I can go from every building that God ever instructed to be built that is not looking for those lukewarm givers. He's looking for those whose spirits are stirred up in them who are willing to give. We are not to manipulate or conjure people or compel them to give. No way! Then the leaders of the father's houses this is leadership in the church. Hello. Yes. Leaders of the father's houses. Leaders of the tribes of Israel. The captains of thousands and of hundreds. With the officers over the king's work. Offered how? Amen. Willingly. Were they compelled? True. Were they manipulated? True. God loves a cheerful giver. They are offered willingly. They gave for the work of the house of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. And whoever had precious stone gave them to the treasure of the house of the Lord into the hand of Jehiel, the Geshenite. Then the people rejoiced, for they had offered willingly, because with a loyal heart they had offered willingly to the Lord, and King David also rejoiced greatly. Then King David began to think, these people are not getting it right. Yes, they have consecrated themselves. This they are rejoicing. I suspect they don't understand, they don't own it. You know, whenever there's a small matter in church, can you imagine how pastor treat me? The last project we had, I gave him. I know how much I personally contributed. So what is the meaning of that? It's mine. David began to say, wait a minute. I don't think these people are getting it right. What I'm rejoicing over is different from theirs. So beginning from verse 10, he began to make it plain to them that what they gave was not theirs in the first place. Therefore, David blessed the Lord before all the assembly, and David said, Blessed are you, O Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, the victory, and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in earth. What is excluded from that? Including your glasses. What's the name of this symbol now? What's the name of that guy? I've forgotten your shirt. Huh? Ralph Lauren. 
including Ralph Lauren who manufactured your shirt. Some of you will sell your shoes and jewelry today. What it will give to God, but you can't. You don't wear them anyway. <laughs> you have living rooms that nobody sits in. It's called formal living room. And it's to really whip up your uh, ego. Uh, massage your ego when they come to your house. Uh, <laughs> this is our private living room. <laughs> this is our cinema. <laughs> uh, welcome to our front porch. And Imagine for a second if Ezekiah had showed the envoys of Babylon is God and not his gold. is his all that is in earth in the earth and where in heaven they all belong to you so what is your own you are given a little temporary lease your whole life is a vapor Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, the victory, and the majesty for all that is in heaven, in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. You are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from who? From you. And you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to how many? To all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I? He had, to, he had to bring ethical adjustment and balance to so their jumping and jumping and jumping. Yes, they did it willingly, but they were just so, wow, God is, God, God, God be blessed. You know how much I gave there? <laughs> Kai, I gave $10 million one offering. And they would just say, my God, he's not yours. Listen attentively. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you. We praise your glorious name. But who am I? Who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come from you and of your own. Huh? Of your own. Who is the owner of what you have? Of your own. That you kept with us. When you needed it, we have brought it back to the one who gave it to us. Of your own, we have given you. For we are aliens and pilgrims before you, as were all our fathers, our days on earth as a shadow and without hope. O Lord our God, all this abundance that we are prepared to build your house for your holy name is from your hand. And it's all your own. If, I, if you had a Bible underlined, because you can't underline the screen. I know also, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of my heart, I've willingly offered all these things. And now with joy, I've seen your people who are present here to offer willingly to you. 
O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, keep this forever where? In the intent of the thoughts of the heart of your people and fix their heart toward you. That was what he found not accurate. Keep it in the intent of the of, the, of their imagination. Let it be there forever. This is the difference between David and the rest. Never use his imagination otherwise than to set his affection on things that pertain to God. I'm still going to come back to David later. Because when purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. And what is much more deadly is that the abusers are now debased. Because they don't understand the purpose for which God gave them what he has given them. Mm. Let's go to the rich fool. Luke chapter 12. A person that God bless. The Lord Jesus gave us this parable and it's critical. Luke chapter number 12. Verse number 13. Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who made me a judge and arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take heed and beware of what? Covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Separate your life from your things. Then he spoke a parable to them saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded how? plentifully and he thought within himself saying what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops so he said I will do this I will pull down my barns and build oh are you with me I will build greater and there I will store all my crops and my goods and I will say to my soul soul you have many goods laid off for many years take your heat eat drink and be merry but God said to him fool this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Question, are you like David or are you a rich fool? Because you don't understand the purpose for which you walk. You think you work in order to pay your bills. I'm going to the bunker today. That's not the reason you walk. You think you work so that you will eat. Because the Bible says we shall not walk, shall not eat. I'm going to the bunker today. The Bible says so, but it does not stop there. You are either a David or you're a rich fool. Where then is the cure for clinging to things? Things that are not yours in the first instance. So God had to show different models for us to understand. Let's begin with the man called Abram. Abram. No, I, I think I'll begin with Noah. Because I shared with you Noah yesterday in Genesis chapter 6. And you saw clearly that was the Lord who brought the animals to him for him to gather. And when he came out of the ark, 
without any request from God. He knew that what was fair was to honor God. And he took of clean birds and animals and offered a sacrifice to God. And God smelled a soothing aroma. And God said within his heart, I will not again cause the ground for man's sake, although the, the intention of his heart is evil from his youth. For as long as the earth remains, what will not cease? Seed time, harvest, cold and heat up Africa, winter and summer, the rest of the world, <laughs> night and day shall never cease. And I asked you a question last night. I'm sure you have made adjustments this morning. Who determines your harvest in life? Thank you. Because it gives you the seed in the first instance. It gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. It multiplies the seed you have sown, not the bread you have eaten, and increases the fruit of your righteousness. I need to stop there because I'm tempted to go further and say, what is the fruit of righteousness? The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. I'll, I'll leave that there because that's a different stream completely. Because right now you have access to that tree of life here, not when you get to heaven. Here! You can drink daily from the water of life. You can eat daily from the tree of life. And no matter what is happening around you, you operate above the system of the world. What was in the mind of God when he called Noah out of the ark? He said, come out of the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and their wives, and all the animals, that you may abound on the earth, be fruitful, and multiply. Now, I want to take you, I want to show you something that, that you must know because those who err in the spirit will do what? Come to understanding and those who complain will learn doctrine. Many times when we see the promises of God, we lay hold onto them and they don't work for us because we do not read the attached conditions. When God called Noah, he said, with you, I will establish my covenant. Let's see Genesis chapter 6. My servant, Pastor Sharon, will preach the next few minutes. Thank you for helping me, man. I'm engaging you in this business because if I can get you to really answer these questions, then the whole church will have no choice but to follow. Now listen to this. Verse 17 of Genesis 6, 6, verse 17. Behold, I myself, I'm not sending Gabriel, I'm not sending Michael. You understand me? This is my real talk. I myself am bringing flood waters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh which is, in which is the breath of life. Everything that's on the earth shall die. But I will, read it with me, but I will establish my covenant with you and you shall go into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. 
I will establish my covenant with you. I don't know when I wasn't there. I don't know exact date. You both will know. One day, Pastor must have said to you, I will marry you. Or you just woke up and said, today is the day. So there must be a day, he said, I will marry you. Okay. Now, God said to Noah, I will establish my covenant with you. I will is a promissory note, not check you can cash. After I said, I will marry you, how long did it take before you got married? Some months. Some months. So when you stood before the preacher or the whatever system, when you stood there, did this, when they say, do you take, do you say, I will? No, I do. I do. So there's a difference between I will and I do. Many of you have been clinging to I will of God. You are yet to come into his I do. Is it clear? Let me clap for Pastor Sharon. You really helped me preach that. Thank you for saying it the way it is. He said, I will marry you. Anything could have happened in those months. That will make you both walk away from each other. But if you follow, when God said, I will establish my covenant with you. Listen to the last verse in that chapter 6. Verse 22. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him. So he did. Now, Pastor Bank, would you have taken her to the altar if twice, three times you found her with another man? No. You won't. No. Why not? Love covers all multitude of sin. <laughs> Would you, Pastor Sharon, getting coming from your home one day to just check him and you find him with another do 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 do? <laughs> I trust you. You will get out of your revolver and say, Get it behind me, Satan. <laughs> Tell your neighbor there's a difference. Between I will and I do. When Noah followed instruction that I will change into I do, chapter 9. Chapter 9, verse number 8. Then God spoke to Noah and to his sons with him, saying, And as for me, behold, I establish, no longer will, I establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you. Now, what was the difference between I will and I do? Number one, he followed instruction. Number two, he gave to God what belonged to God. It was after he gave that offering, God, now I know you know you are not the owner. I know you know you are the steward. Now, I change my will to I do. This is a problem for many believers. 
the cling under a wheel. God said, He will bless me. He will bless me. You have said you will bless me. He said so, but He's not blessing you. Because the thing promissory note is cashable in the bank. It's a promissory note. 